Voting isn't just going to the polls on election day anymore. Options like early voting, mail-in voting, and ballot drop boxes are available to more voters and are growing in popularity. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, breaks down the options your state offers for casting a ballot, empowering you to decide when and where to vote. Democracy works best when we all vote, but misinformation and confusion about election procedures have resulted in low voter turnout. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, takes the guesswork out of the voting process. How to Vote is easy to use and helps folks from all over the country overcome many of the process barriers to voting. Democracy Works is committed to helping you vote no matter what. Their tool, How to Vote, does just that. And these are some examples. You can sign up for election reminders, see what's on your ballot, get step-by-step -step assistance requesting your ballot, explore your options for returning your voted mail ballot, check your voter registration status, find your polling site, and making sure you have the appropriate ID. Listen up. Decide when and where you'll vote this year at howto.vote. Yes, decide when and where you'll vote this year at howto.vote, please. Go check this out now. It's quite amazing how one can take a person's thoughts and shape them and form them into believing, you know, growing growing up with a belief of hatred, you know what I mean, and destruction, kill, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, I, I, I just, I, I don't know, it's, um, it's very fascinating to sit back and think about everything that we know and everything that you know what I mean, that is going on in the world is, is from one's thoughts and beliefs, you know what I mean, that has spread am amongst many. And um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it right now, but uh, I think this is the movie, I learned it from you, is genius, and, and it uh, shines a light, you know what I mean, like, mm, just right there, a bright light. But everything you thought you knew or you, you thought you were or whatever it may be, can can be addressed, you know what I mean, if it hasn't ever been or even a thought, you know, it's not too late, <laughs> you know, still breathing, God wakes us up every day, not all the time, so if he gave you the gift, don't waste it. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in with me, your host Brandy Joy, to my show A Voice to Be Reckoned With. Today I have a special guest from the documentary I Learned It From You by director and writer Kevin Douglas Wright. Steven is with us and I'm excited to have him here to share his experiences and his experiences with the documentary I Learned It From You and about how it took him back to those certain times. So stay tuned and I just can't wait, don't go too far. Get what you need, and we'll be right back. Stephen, hello, and thank you for joining us. How are you today? 
I'm fine and my pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're so excited to have you here. Um, last time we spoke to uh, Kevin, uh, he was a pleasure and he spoke of, you were one of the people he spoke of. Kevin <laughs> was a br- very bright young man. Yes, yes, yes. I, it was a pleasure and honor to be able to, uh, to speak with him and to do that piece with him. Um, so I did get to uh, see the rest of the um, the documentary, and when I saw you, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's him. Talk to him." <laughs> yeah. I, I hope I wasn't. I hope I wasn't too angry. Oh no, 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 not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I had my friend sit down and watch it with me. He's trying to go to the store. I was like, "No, no, sit down. <laughs> Listen." <laughs> Okay, well, thank you for joining us. And um, I just had uh, some things we want. I wanted to uh, ask you to share with us, Stephen. And um, what was sure. one? What was running? What went through your head or your mind when Kevin presented you with uh, being a part of the documentary? Well, first I was honored um, and uh, trying to figure out why he asked me, um, and then uh, spent a lot of time thinking about did I have something to say and realizing um, at the age of 68, uh, having gone through the uh, riots uh, and demonstrations of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and the fight not to go to Vietnam, the uh, battles for equality, that uh, I felt that uh, I had something to say, and I didn't necessarily have to do it as an angry old black man, but. maybe share it in a way that people could embrace it and maybe learn from it. Okay, awesome. Um, what was the experience like when, when you sat down for the first time and you asked those six questions? Uh, it was it was really cathartic. I found the process to be uh, kind of healing because of the questions that were asked and the freedom of being able to just speak the truth. And it was a flow. And we just sat and talked. I'm sure there's a lot of editing, but we talked maybe for an hour on everything from education, my background, where I grew up, um, the significance of racism in the country, um, its impact on me and how I responded. I, and I just found by the end of it, um, I started off angry in anticipation of the questions, but I really found it kind of healing to be able to vent and get some of the stuff off my chest. Um, and so I left it really, it was like a nice long therapy session. Wow. Wow. So, so basically, so basically all these, um, this time that had, had went by that you still carried a lot of uh, pain and, and feeling from all the oh, you, you can't help, you, you can't help but carry it. I mean, um, guys of my generation, first we were raised to be the strong silent type uh, and we had to hold things in because expressing yourself was more what was the role of women than men and so we had to learn from that um and having the same thing happen over and over again i mean the notion that colin kaepernick 
uh, is ostracized by some um, whites when he's he's um, protesting for the the same thing that John Carlos and Tommy Smith at the 68 Olympics that Jim Brown, uh, Muhammad Ali, I mean, you take your pick, uh, the protests that have gone on um, uh, since we've come to this country in terms of demanding and uh, pleading uh, and um, requiring that we be treated equal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, uh, thank you for sharing that because I never really, you know, I, um, one would think possibly like, you know, all that time that has went by, you know, that you mm-hmm. you wouldn't really, wouldn't think that you would uh, still be having, you know what I mean? Like those sure. feelings or you, you started off, you said with anger and, and I think that's very interesting because I, you, people would just assume that it's been so long that you've dealt with it or, or just, you know. No. Now, because uh, again, you see these young guys getting killed by the police. Um, and because things have gotten better, uh, uh, there's this notion that the millennials don't have to deal with the same crap that we had to, but it's the exact same thing. We were taught um, how to survive it. And we look at these young kids now who have white friends, who have gay or lesbian friends who have uh, 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 friends who have autism um, and you know they just look at each other and think oh that's well that's my buddy he's okay um, we didn't have that luxury um, and as a result when they get in a bind and are confronted with racism um, it, it takes them a second to understand how they should react and in some ways it's the wrong way and sometimes it takes too long to go through that process and by that time something negative has happened so um uh it's more than a notion that it's the 21st century and we still have to tell our kids uh if you're stopped by the police before you do anything if the police says show me your license you tell him the, my license is on the front seat in the car. I'm going to reach for it now, rather than assuming that you can just go ahead and reach for it. Yeah. Little things like that. Yeah. It's so true. I have a, a young son, uh, 12 years old, and we were just mm-hmm. having a, last night um, a talk like this, and this morning before he went off to school, you know. And I was as I was having this conversation with him, which I knew it was going to happen, and had it here and there with him but obviously he wasn't listening but um you know it just made me think like wow <laughs> i have well, to have yeah. this conversation with my son and the average the, the average person has to hear something six times before it's really incorporated into them and with hard-headed you know boys tend to be a little bit more rough and hard-headed than than girls um that sometimes you really have to impress upon them or sometimes they have to go through an experience which um, they then relate to the conversation and the advice uh, before they really incorporate and deal with it uh, in a new way, unfortunately. If you've ever thought about making a podcast, this is for you. If you haven't heard of Anchor, 
It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. I did. And now see, who are you listening to now? Brandy Joy with a voice to be reckoned with. So come, anchor.fm or go to Anchor app. Download. Unfortunately, yeah. It's so true, so true. But yeah, most definitely. And I was listening to when you said um, how the... Um, the young men of, of this of these times, millennials, they still dealing with the same stuff, you know, from back back then in your time, but they're just not as prepared as you were. Well, again, it's the same thing uh, over and over again, and there's a saying that uh, those who can't learn from history are doomed to repeat it, mm-hmm. and that's both as a society and as an individual. And we're going through the same kind of discrimination. If if you look at history, anytime we've been given um, a fair chance to compete, we've been able to excel. Yes. Um, the 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 issue is that when it looks like we're doing well, the rules get changed, um, and it's not in some people's best interest that the playing field be leveled. And so we have to understand that. I was told since I was young, I had to be twice as good to get half as far as my white counterpart. Um, And that's been proven time and time and time again. It doesn't mean I haven't been successful, but I understand what that uh, cost of that uh, has been. Um, And in some ways it's motivated me, but in some, some ways, um, uh, it's really been kind of detrimental. And like I said, I sit here, I, I don't want to be an angry old black man, but, um, Richard Pryor, uh, I think what said the angriest, uh, Eddie Murphy said the angriest men in America, are old black men. No, it's Chris Rock. The angriest, uh, people in America are old black men, uh, because they spent their entire life being demeaned and marginalized because one white guy's fierce um, and um, we've had to demonstrate that we weren't just thugs or guys that felt good uh, hanging out on the block or uh, into drugs, but that we could do um, amazing things. We could, uh, uh, from the Tuskegee Airmen to Katherine Johnson, of NASA, the call the uh, um, uh, in uh, hidden figures called a, a computer. She was so bright, um, but we sometimes our we our kids and we don't get a chance to discover that about ourselves because we're so busy fighting to survive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, I just sit here and I think, you know, how 
Oh, that is very, very, very true. And it's like, what can it be? How do we take that now and change it? You know what I mean? Well, we are. Um, and like I said, the, um, I, I, my personal feeling, and I hadn't, haven't said it to too many people, so just keep it between the two of us. But um, I do think that the if we can survive this current administration in the White House, uh, I do believe that black folks are going to be um, the leaders uh, and lead the way into a whole new uh, millennial, millennium. Um, we're the most forgiven people on the face of the earth. Uh, so we've demonstrated a charity, a Christian nature about us. Amen. We yeah. Also, yeah, we've ex- we've exceeded expectations, even our own, physically and mentally. Um, and so, if um, Agent Orange uh, doesn't blow up the world, <laughs> and we can get past him. I think there's really going to be another renaissance um, and a age of progressive enlightenment um, in America and the world, and that um, most of us or many of us will be able to benefit from that. That's definitely that. I hope so. <laughs> Me too. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, definitely agree with most the most forgiving, you know what I mean? And we have yeah. come so far. and. And I, I just wish that a lot more of us saw more in ourselves and know that yeah. we can overcome, yeah. we will overcome, and let's work together and stop working against each other. You know. Well, you know, we need to we need to really continue to challenge ourselves as we we're talking before we came on the air. The notion of asking every mother and father listening to your uh, podcast, do you read to your child at night before you go to they go to bed? Because uh, studies show if you read to your child, it accelerates their interest in reading and getting to read. And once uh, they start reading, the world opens up to them in a whole different way. And they begin to develop more confidence, um, thinking skills, uh, and a whole array of other things that uh, are uh, attached to that, that... um, increase their chances of success mm-hmm. yep, most definitely. yes I, I always tell the, the kids that i work with <clears throat> there's some that struggle that are in grades that they should have already known how to read but you know I always, yes. tell, I always tell them i say you know i try to motivate them and let them know once you know how to read you know how me how the world how you see things so much differently you know it's just it's, a, it's amazing and i just you know tend to say that to them like you'll see everything so much differently the creativity your eyes is like wearing new eyes like when you blind <laughs> and you know I, I run across I don't know if it's as, as prevalent now but growing up uh, young kids learning to read going home and reading to their parents some of them uh, who could not read well and it opened up a whole new world and a, a relationship with their children um, as they spent this time um exploring books um, and characters, um, civilizations and situations um, as they sat on the couch reading. Yeah. Most definitely, yeah. We always try to like bring in that, you know, to the parents like to, yeah. to, to read, even if it's 15, 10 minutes, you know what I mean? Because I know sure. the work and stuff, but just to make that 
like a daily, you know what I mean? Like get get it in there, you know, and it and it does bring together in a bond and, and just, I mean, and it's important, you know, because oh, no question, no yeah. question. Yeah. So because I, I I think you know if if whenever we have we get together as people talking about our own emancipation and evolution, if we're going to spend an hour on a topic to spend some time talking about the issues we're confronting and then the rest of the time potential solutions because mm -hmm. we never know who's listening and might pick up on an idea we throw out and mean not only their own emancipation but the uh, liberation and education of uh, those folks around them exactly yes 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 just as you're doing right now for some you know what i mean yeah for someone yeah Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, oh, my, my pleasure. We're all in this together. Oh, yes. Uh, Steven, um, which which one of the, the questions stood out the most or was the most significant to you that maybe affected you the most? Oh, I'm trying to remember because it's been some time. Uh, I think... Um, we had a... We, he asked me a question about my past experiences um, becoming aware of race. And um, I um, told him about being confronted by my junior high school teacher um, who raised a question with me and then told me I was uh, too dumb to, to uh, to go to a white preparatory high school, which I applied to. And um, um, the notion of how our power gets sapped by people who are ignorant or stupid or biased. And um, if we're not surrounded by the right people, um, we can go down a hole and never accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, it includes one's own family. Uh, you know, you hear this, uh, uh, somebody say, uh, oh, you're trying to get ahead, you're trying to be white. You know, those those kinds of put downs yeah. instead yeah. of nurturing yeah. and supporting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and stuff like that can come at you from a variety of different ways. So those things that um, uh, might becoming self-aware of um, those folks that did not want to see me succeed. And I, I, I gladly say I grew up in the projects. Now, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and the notion of you can imagine what projects are like in Omaha. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, I had a strong mother uh, who was committed to seeing her children um, succeed and get an education and she was one of those mothers who um, uh, made it very clear that you were going to study, you were going to hit the books and that you were going to aspire to be better and go further than she went um, and fortunately uh, some of her rubbed off and that's been the case with me yeah. 
So, um, as far as when it comes to, to your mother, did you, uh, did you uh, see or your mom have to endure any of these, uh, you know, any, you know, any of uh, any racism, you know, or anything that you did oh, yeah. growing up? Oh, 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 baby, baby, baby. My father and mother met just after World War II. They met in Massachusetts. My mother was a domestic, um, and um, my father was in the Navy. Now, in the Navy at that time, black men weren't allowed to be regular sailors. They couldn't fight uh, unless an absolute emergency. A story of Dory Miller, who was a cook, uh, it was in on one of the ships in Pearl Harbor. Well, he, <clears throat> uh, some folks were injured. He got on a uh, gun and shot down uh, two or three Japanese uh, Spitfires um, that were uh, raining bombs down. He died before he got his medal. But um, you know, the notion of we could we could tote bags. We could shine shoes, we could serve food, but we would, uh, we couldn't fight, that uh, we didn't have it in us. And then you look at stories like the Tuskegee Airmen. Anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. Uh, my, my, my mother experienced um, blatant racism. She used to work with um, physical, mentally challenged kids, and she believed in mainstreaming, and little white kids, and she'd bring them to church um, uh, with her and uh, we always kidded it, um, each other in the family and said uh, you know, she got good working with um, troubled kids by working with her own kids but they were getting such great results at the organization we work, she worked for uh, and getting praise she went in and asked for a raise and um, they said not only no, but hell no. And so she quit. And she ended up driving a bus, a city bus, for uh, 29 years, 11 months, and 21 days. And she wanted, she asked if she could work another week to make it an even 30 years. And they said, no. Uh, so yeah, she experienced um, um, being denied an opportunity to assess and develop her skills. Um, she, um, I think, tried to teach us about how to deal with it at the same time, trying to mask or guard or protect us so we wouldn't see her in those situations where she was, uh, her value was lessened by the people she came in contact with uh, that were in positions of power. Hmm. Uh, do you think that, um, you know, since they knew this was something she desired, it was her goal, and she asked for it, that's the reason why they denied her, but if she would never asked and just went about, like, what they had ever even said anything, you know, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, no, but she couldn't, because they would have to extend her uh, 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 it was mandatory retirement. They would have had to extend it a week, so she had to ask permission. Uh, and you know, it's it's so insignificant. 
um, to be able to work another week. And I, I don't know, she probably would have worked for no pay just to be able to say she was 30 years in. Yeah. Um, and her passenger loved, loved her. They did an article in the local newspaper when she retired. Because um, at Christmas time, she dresses Santa and drive the bus. And, um, you know, the people would get on, they would feel good. She would joke with them and all that stuff. She had uh, really good people skills. And uh, I think that's where I got them from. And um, uh, it was just a way to um, to show her who was who was boss and to deny her something that rightfully um, they should have said yes to. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, you know what? Sound like a great woman. And instead of saying thirty years, we get the pleasure of saying twenty-nine years. 11 months and 21 days. <laughs> I remember that. I actually wrote it down right now. <laughs> so if you ever ask me how long your mom <laughs> I'm going to be able to tell you this. <laughs> uh, it, uh, hey. <laughs> it's it's, it's an, an interesting. I mean, like I said, we all, we all have this journey we take that's called life. And we make of it what we uh, will. But... Um, I've had some extraordinary adventures. I've had a chance to go to Africa. I've had a chance to go to South America. Uh, I've gone to Europe. Only place I haven't been is the uh, Middle East and to the Far East. Um, and, and I realize that people are very much the same all every place. Um, but somewhere we get into our head that uh, because um, of the color of one's eyes or the color of one's skin or whatever, um, that somehow we are better or lesser than, and it impedes uh, our entire growth. Um, it's something we got to work on. Yeah, most definitely. It causes a lot of separation, you know, and then their lives, you know, the ignorance factor, you know, not, you know, not the knowledge, you know, that of not knowing, you know what I mean, that you yeah. are the same. Yeah. You know, because it's put in your head already. And then it kind of makes it, I guess there's this uncomfortability thing that goes on when you do encounter someone that is from another, you know what I mean, country or, and then I say different, but when you think about it, you're not really different. You just have, you just, we all have our different, you know what I mean? We're exactly. all the same. We just do things differently, probably, or learn things differently, or culture, or something like that. But. The example, the example I like to use, it's making a, a stew. You don't just have potatoes; they're all ingredients. They're different. If you had just a stew of meat, that's not a stew, or potatoes or carrots. But the fact that all these things are blended in and they all complement each other, mm -hmm. uh, like that. and that makes for a magnificent meal. Uh, and that one is uh, gets real sustenance from. And if we could do that a little bit more in terms of communicating with each other, looking out for each other, um, and uh, helping each other, uh, all of us would be better off. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And if we were all the same, you know what I mean? Like, different, it's because it would be boring if we were all just like, yeah, you know? exactly. Who wants? Yeah, who wants everybody to be the same? Right. You know, yeah. 
I love different people. I don't care what people call people crazy or they say this, that. I'm like, I love it because I like to see, you know what I mean? I just like to see yeah. different. You know, I, I don't know. Something about me, it amazes me. And I like to watch people and different types of people. Same here. Yeah. yeah. And just see how they interact with it. Just like with working at school with the kids, you know, sometimes even if they are a little off and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're in a group, I kind of just sit there. I kind of just watch, watch them and I'm just like looking at each one, like looking at him over there. He's doing, he's, all of them are doing something weird, something crazy. Or uh -huh. I could see the hand going over there, poking me in there. And I'm just like, it's kind of funny. <laughs> anyway, well, I can't I like tell to, them I that. Like to, <laughs> I, when I travel, I like to get to the airport early and just sit and watch people and see if I can tell their life story about how they dress, how they walk, uh, how they talk. It just, uh, <laughs> we all have our little things. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's, mm -hmm. That's why I tell my son too. I'm like, or at me, at me in general, like we are, we're our own, uh, we're like our own advertisement for our own walking billboard. You know, exactly. How we represent ourselves from how we dress, we speak, exactly. you know, carry ourselves. You know, you can talk to your blue in the face and sell somebody some my language and bullshit, but it's going to really show and how you carry yourself and how you treat others, you know? So it's like, that's very interesting. That's, and that's how I kind of, you know, read people or judge people by how you carry yourself and how you treat others. Well, sometimes people make assumptions. When I was younger, uh, played football, played basketball, played soccer, uh, baseball, and uh, was a pretty good athlete. And, you know, somebody looking at me would know that uh, I played sports. Uh, and when I first got out of college and got out of grad school, people would look at me and make an assumption because uh, I was black, because uh, I looked like an athlete, and treat me accordingly. Um, and you know, I used to I used to laugh um, because while they were putting me in a uh, pigeonhole so they knew how to deal with me. I had my own agenda, was trying to learn what I needed to learn, and so I could be off on my next adventure. And I, I, I know it just goes as well for, you know, the angry black woman uh, stereotype, um, or um, uh, the guy who's got his uh, ass hanging around his behind. Um, you know, we all we all get caught up in that. But uh, people are so much more. Yeah. Uh, and have a conversation with someone, then you really get a chance yes. to see who they are. Yeah, say that again, Stephen. Tell us, I'm telling you right now, I am so, that has been like the, the motto of this long life campaign I've, I've been going on. I've, I've dealt with that so much in my life that people try to box me or read, yep. read me and they don't know and I always tell I always you know I don't always tell people because I don't need to tell you if you know me if you, right. you, if you ever come out to, to know me you will know these things you know I me mean? that I write poetry that I, I do this you know I, I exactly. surprise people on a daily basis even today like a lot of people didn't even know I was a podcaster I didn't run around town telling everyone it was kind of more like if you knew me if you took the time out or if you ever really listened you know what I mean you would find out that I know a lot I'm very educated Exactly. You know what I mean? And it's just exactly. like, you know, kind of boxing in because I'm young, I'm a black woman. I don't, I'm 40, I'll be 41. Everybody else tells me you look like you're 18, 20. Thank you, thank you. And I think that also, mm -hmm. but being young and I guess however they see see me, they kind of box me in. It's like, oh, I must 
have this many kids. And they'll ask me questions. They'll be like, I only got one. Yeah, I have one. None. <laughs> and you have so many aspects to you. Um, it's, um, I tell you, I enjoy talking to people, getting to know people, but people I really want to get to know, I always try to dig back and ask them how they grew up, where they grew up, because then you understand what things um, molded them, made them who they are. And uh, that's also a tremendous insight. Um, but we're all, we're all, uh, um, uh, things in, um, in, in process, uh, works of, um, art, <clears throat> uh, being molded, managed, um, that at the end of our journey, we, uh, can sit back, excuse me, look back and see, um, what our, our journey has been like, what we've accomplished, what we haven't. Yeah. Good stuff, Stephen. Good stuff. <laughs> I remember this is about you. <laughs> I'm like ready to black. <laughs> but in some ways, um, especially as black people, a lot of excuse me, a lot of this stuff um, is just repeated over and over again. And if somebody listening to this, some old guy. Or young guy listening to this gets a little something from it and says, "Oh, okay, maybe I'll shift my point of view. Uh, maybe I'll try something different, and um, can gain something from it. Then uh, that would be fantastic." Yes, definitely, definitely. Even if it's just one, two, you know, it, yeah. it makes it, it makes it, it matters. Exactly. Yes. I mean, you left. I mean, I picked. You know, I'm, I'm here. With, you know, inter- interviewing you, and I you know, picked up on some things and, you know, like uh, when you mentioned the boy with the, the pants hanging off his, you know, his butt, you know, and it, yeah. me, me growing up, you know, yep. that was always like a big thing and it was looked down upon. Like if I, if I saw my son sagging, I would tell him, pull, you know, pull them up and that's yeah. not appropriate. But at the same time, we can't just look at that kid and think that he's a bang, game banger and that he's not educated because he might be no. just like the no. nerdiest person of all. I love to read. It's very, it has goals and all that stuff. He just needs to probably wear a belt. He just wants, look, as a teenager, you want to be, you want to stand out, but you want to blend in. Yeah. And it's not so much a matter of um, you want everybody to see your underwear. You just want to feel like one of the guys that you hang with. Um, but if that doesn't make you um, a thug, it doesn't make you a junkie, it doesn't make you a whole bunch of things. Right. Um, but uh, until someone talks to you, raise a que- raises a question, or interacts with you, um, all they've done is seen a billboard and uh, responded to that billboard. Yep, too much. Yes, yes, yes. Wow, that's, that's amazing. I said, don't judge book by its cover. I always remember mm-hmm. that growing up. <laughs> yeah, you got to read the book. Mm-hmm. And just let it just sit there. You got to open it, honey. I always tell my kids, just gonna sit, let the book just sit there. It's not going to just open up itself and start flipping through the pages. Mm-hmm. You got to read it. <laughs> I just book. read Hamil- Hamilton because I saw the play and was so profoundly moved by it. Um, and I read the book and realized that this was a, a 
brother who came from an island in the Caribbean and had such an impact on the um, designing of the Constitution and the laws that govern this nation. Um, and uh, um, that we've played a role in the development and success of this country from day one. Um, and it, you know, it gives, it gives, it gave me uh, pride knowing that uh, the first first person killed in the uh, war between England and America for uh, independence was a black man at the Boston Tea Party. Um, you know, um, it just we've been in everything. We've participated in everything. We are part of the fabric of this nation and uh, we have a right to feel proud and to be angry that our sacrifice and our work is not translated into acceptance but maybe that's uh, the journey we take for the country and the next uh, chapter is uh, we will have that because as the numbers change as we go from being a majority white country to a majority minority country, which is what is scaring these white folks so much, um, it would become more of a meritocracy and less of uh, uh, oligarchs dictating who survives and who doesn't based on the color of their skin. I'm sorry. I just, uh, I got caught up. No, it's it's quite all right. I mean, this is... This is uh, this is real. This is what you know. I mean, you don't you don't have to apologize for you know, speaking your truth <laughs> because that's that's what it, the show is called—a voice to be reckoned with. Your voice, you know what I mean? Say you know, yes, yes. You no, know, let it be heard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's just you know, it's just respectful. You know what I mean? And, and we're not you know threatening anybody or, or making anybody feel. Yeah. Then this is a yeah. place for all yeah. that to come and go from to speak your truth. Wonderful. It's definitely. Um, uh, Stephen, would you say okay, so would you say that if people really sat back and thought about these questions, they would see things, would you advise would you, would you advise one to really take in the, take these questions with me and ask themselves each one and really process it, I know I did and I, I yeah. got lost a little bit and I couldn't even remember when did this this that I realized there was a difference in that racism did I ever have that moment and to this moment I still can't remember when but I'm gonna say it's probably around school when I started learning about you know what I mean yes not only um, looking at the uh, how you would respond to the questions but feeling being aware of what the questions do uh, um inside of you whether they make you mad whether they make you um confused whether um uh but because the notion of looking at what kind of motivates us um and some of us are so busy surviving we're not living You know, I listened to the to the six questions, and and uh, 
you know, it made me think when when did I start to notice the difference in um, race racism? I, I really couldn't put my finger on it. I think I was introduced to it more about around uh, elementary time when I started going to school because it was talked about. Um, yeah, it, it was talked about. You know, I had a friend, my best friend in preschool, and then elementary, I was she was white. You know, I, I really didn't know that. You know, what I mean, right away, like, oh, she's white, I'm black, and you know, I I didn't know. You know what I mean? Really, anything much about anything. So I think I would say, I my exposure to it was um, my early school years, and not even right away. You know. Hmm. Something to really think about and very interesting, huh? To put in perspective. We go to work every day, we come home, have something to eat, go to bed, repeat the yeah, same yeah. thing the next day. All over, yeah. And, yeah. And the notion of sitting down, having a glass of wine, or watching a sunset, or going out, I, I love. The one thing I do love about the 21st century is going to the park and seeing fathers playing with their kids, black or white, um, men out there taking a proactive role in the raising of their children, um, making that connection. Uh, to me, that just uh, is phenomenal. So it's not just a matter of looking at the questions uh, in terms of racism, its impact, but also thinking about how it makes you feel because insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same yeah. thing over and over yes. again it's and expecting different results. results. Yep. Exactly. So if we're going to change the game, then we've got to understand those things that motivate, influence us mm -hmm. um, and decide we'll try a new tact. You know, that's pretty deep, though, because it, it, I never thought of it this way. Um, you know, the definition of insanity, and when, when um, I uh, was listening to you say it, and I was in my head saying it, I thought about, okay, America is insane. Yep. yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we're not, that's why I say there's a chance if we can get past the Trumpster, um, that there could be a renaissance, a progressive renaissance, um, where we can make some advances in terms of uh, health care, mm -hmm. um, in terms of education, in terms of uh, paying not a minimum wage, but a living wage. If you work 40 hours a week, you should be able to survive um, and not be so concerned. There is more to life than just money. Yes. Um, and so looking at the whole array of things that we can influence um, and make life a little bit better for each other um, and without necessarily sacrificing anything uh, but just get in our mindset there, there are tremendous things we could accomplish yeah. but I'm a dreamer as John Lennon said <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, dreams come true. <laughs> 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 That's what I said. Disneyland, they had said. <laughs> they said, you know, definitely. Yeah. Hey, dreaming, I mean, I, I, I'm a dreamer. And to me, when I dream, 
I, if I could dream it, I feel like if I could think it, and, and sometimes I think I can kind of touch it or smell it, and then I can have mm-hmm. it. It can happen. You know, I kind of tell myself I can have that, you know, and I'm going to it. Did you see the, the little uh, video on YouTube that's going around? It actually played it on the news yesterday or the day before. The little black three-year-old that had uh, his mother gave him three sentences of affirmation, and he repeated every morning walking to school, I am black, I am smart, and I can accomplish anything I want. Oh, it's it's it it it, uh, it really really touched me. Um, just walking uh, on his way to school with this uh, uh, hop in his step and the notion, um, and they started it when he could barely talk because it took him some time to get the words right. But he had memorized it, and every morning while he's walking to school, he's got this affirmation. That's amazing. Yeah. And it takes me back to the, the name of the documentary. Uh, I learned it from you, and how saying yeah. how how what we learned from other kids, you know, tear, you know, can have severe, you know, devastating, you know, consequences by what yeah. we learn. And if yeah. that parent, took, you know, what I mean, did the exact same thing, but used it in a powerful way to, so her child will learn to love himself and to know, you know, what I mean that, yeah. you know. So, okay. Absolutely, but if you look at some of our, uh, the, the, I mean, it, most people don't know their history. Most Americans don't know their history. And um, they're even lied to at the part of history that is shared. But when you go to an Indian tribes, because my my uh, my grandfather was full-blood Blackfoot Sioux, uh, or my African side, um, the notion of as uh, Michelle Obama would say, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. Um, the notion that um, the elders, um, all elders, looked out for all children um, and saw value in each child. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just mother and father responsible, or, or uncle or aunts, but you were part of the tribe. Uh, the the ceremonies in Africa becoming a member of the tribe. You went through uh, the rites of passage, um, and both girls and boys. But the notion that um, everybody had a role in preparing you to be a warrior, or to be a wife, uh, to be a mother, um, uh, um, and many folks don't know but in some some tribes in Africa women they were matriarchal not patriarchal and the women were in charge but again uh, you know uh, opening a book up can it can expose you to all kinds of things yeah for sure most definitely you got to get get away from those uh you know those cell phones and uh, you know and uh... <laughs> <laughs> you got peel them out of those hands you know that's the challenge yeah, That's it is. It's very, very big challenge. I see five of them at a restaurant. They're not talking to each other. Each of them is on their own cell phone, yep. but they're just doing it as a collective. Mm-hmm. It just, it just drives me crazy. Or sometimes I found that they'll be on the same social media site, while and they'll be in that same group, but they'll be communicating through. I watched it happen one day, and I was just like, "Why would you?" 
<laughs> just sitting right over there. <laughs> but you know, there's, there's, that's had an impact in terms of um, uh, their communication skills. Um, the dating is different. You know, trying to cut somebody out from the herd to get to know uh, exactly. the dating collectives. Um, it's uh, it's not for me. Uh, it's not. I don't find any like uh, you know the, the the natural. You know what I mean? Like it just seems, it just seems. For, first of all, I don't think that it's very safe. <laughs> I don't care what you tell me. <laughs> you know? Oh, you swipe yeah. you swipes me. Thank you. I I I feel so honored. You know, I like to you know if it's meant to happen, you meet people out in the valley, you socialize because it takes away from that, and, and people just sit yeah. in front of their computers all day. Yeah. They can do everything right there and then when it comes to being around other people you know you don't really know how to operate you don't know how exactly to exactly exactly yeah exactly yeah but hey, like you said <laughs> 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 my son right now I was like what have I done he's a monster <laughs> no well you know you, you haven't but it's um like I said, well, things have changed, and maybe they've adjusted to this new. Uh, I don't understand the dance. I certainly don't understand. In my, you know, we we have folks like the Isley Brothers or Cool in the Gang or whatever. They can come back in their sixties and seventies and still sing their songs. Yes. You're not going to find no seventy-year-old rapper. <laughs> I stand up there. I got my gat, and a, 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 you know, it just. So I don't know uh, uh, the Sugar Hill Gang and the guys that first rappers that came out and talked about the community mm-hmm. and you is that you know I was always down with but um, this notion of uh, of uh, I'm Superman and I can whip you or I can take your woman and all this other stuff I'm just lost on that. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no message there. No message at all whatsoever. Totally, totally. All those groups that you said, I, I, I grew up from. I was born in '78, so like I heard my mom, mm-hmm. my grandma, all of them. You know, those are the, the songs I, I'll go back to. Like, like when you hear some oh, music, just brings back joy. So please, yeah. Luther Vandross, oh, uh, yeah. Stevie Wonder, Freddie Jackson. <laughs> oh, Freddie Jackson. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, um, uh-huh. Stevie Wonder was the poet of our generation. The best, the, the the best album was Marvin Gaye. What's going on? Yeah, because the Vietnam War and its relevance. Uh, um, nah, that was that was. Uh, Did you say Smokey? Oh, well, yes. Smokey was different. Smokey was like blue lights in the basement. Uh, you know, Smokey was fine as a hunt. <laughs> <laughs> and that's as far as I go. <laughs> oh man, oh. he's maybe going to go pull up some stuff and, and listen to some music. <laughs> and I am too. <laughs> oh, hey, I hear you. I, but, hey, I tell you, I, I got Pandora, and I listen to smooth jazz, and I listen to old R and B. There you go. There you go. That's where it is. <laughs> Real music. <laughs> <laughs> wow thank you thank you so much um i'm gonna uh so let's go into something a little lighter i want to ask you sure. um right so how was it when you did you, you got to meet uh well you met kevin when you did the documentary right and did you meet yeah. the cast you met them later on like when you guys after everything no I, I i hadn't um uh they had a showing 
and um, I um, was out of town. I was on travel. I had gone to see my daughter. So really, I I'm I haven't seen it. Kevin um, is sending me a copy of the um, documentary to uh, to watch. Uh, it's it's played in a couple of places and won a couple of awards. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm very happy for him. Um, a very very bright young man, and uh, I can only wish him the best. Yes, definitely. I I didn't know what I was, uh, you know, what had been presented to me when it was presented to me when he reached out to me, you know, because I put you know some posts out, and um, I know I was working on my bullying project, advocate for bullying, and then he was like, I'll definitely love to come on your show, and so after you know we finally got all that going, I just realized how blessed and how honored that mm -hmm. I was to you know that he you know could have been anybody or, or passed me by and you know chose me and I was just like wow I just really found that as a blessing like a gift by God you know what I mean so I just, yeah it was meant to be <laughs> yep. it was meant to be mm -hmm. definitely I was you know, I feel like you know I, I didn't just you know find somebody I, I did an interview I felt like I made a friend for life you know? exactly exactly yeah you know it's, it's some some things it's like I wish they could play this in every ninth grade class. Yeah. So that our kids could see it, their kids could see it, and under and gain some understanding. Because some of these young people now are bright. I mean, are really bright. Yeah. Um, I listened to uh, this young um, lady from um, Finland or Norway, uh, Greta spoke before the United Nations and just she just blew my socks off she was she was so articulate and um, persuasive there's some bright kids and to be able to expose them to this in a constructive way where there are yeah. teachers that can talk to them about what they saw what it means what it represents um, uh, can really make to me make a real difference yeah, most definitely. I had, I had actually um, was asking, I had asked Kevin, you know, because you know, me working at our schools from K, uh, kindergarten through eighth, and I was asking him what grade or what age did he think was appropriate or kid friendly for families, and did he think that, you know, that would be, it was fitting for it. He said, yeah, and I think he said, you said ninth, and I don't know, and I think he said uh, right about where you, I, maybe a little mm -hmm. younger. Uh, but I think right yeah. about kind of where you, yeah. you you're at, you know. But then I had told yeah. him too that, uh, yeah. like, since our because I know when I was in school, it was uh, kindergarten through sixth grade, and then uh, was it ninth, seventh grade through ninth, and then tenth through twelfth. Well, now we have kinder through twelfth grade, and you know yeah. it's not the same. And so you get these other these kids that are around these older kids now, and they kind of pick up faster than they're not really around there. You know what I mean? They're useful. Yes. And so yeah. they, you know, they kind of grow up like that. You know, and some of them are already showing, like I, this other day, the other day, this um, African-American boy, he was calling this other boy, white boy, white boy. And I asked him, he said, he's calling me white boy. And I asked him, I said, why did you call me? I was like, what does that mean? But he mm -hmm. said it was such, you know what I mean, like nastiness. And I kind of went to know right. Obviously, right. like I said, he learned it through someone. And in that manner, so, you know? Exactly. Okay. And he's not even, uh, you know, we're close to fifth grade, so. <laughs> yep. But, uh, yep, they learn early. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I can remember um, 
and this might, might have been just before you were born, um, Alex Haley's Roots, uh, the series came on, and I was living in New York at the time, and up, um, that played like six consecutive nights on TV, and it had a profound impact, not just on black folks, although I, you know, you could ride the subway and see the sense of pride, uh, because since we didn't know our individual histories, that all of us were uh, Kunta Kinte's descendants, and all of us could relate to that experience. Um, but it also had an impact on a lot of white folks uh, going into offices. For the first time, you had people asking questions and not making assumptions about the black experience. And blacks and whites uh, communicated. Um, but like everything else in America, it was short-lived. Uh, but for the time that it was, uh, it was phenomenal. Just like I was in New York on 9-11 and um, when the planes hit the World Trade Center. In fact, I saw the second plane go in and uh, I was supposed to fly out of New York that afternoon, but all planes were grounded. So I stayed overnight and for like a week, people were kind to each other. Uh, when it hit, people were trying to, all, all public transportation was shut down. People were walking in the streets, cars were giving people rides. If you were trying to get over to Brooklyn or to Queens or whatever, people would stop, ask you if you needed a ride. People looked out for their neighbors. It was phenomenal, but it lasted, you know, a couple of weeks, a month. And then we went back to living in our cocoons and um, not trusting anybody that didn't look exactly like us. That's what I say. We keep repeating and not learning. Yeah. Uh, not even realizing that you're, you're doing, you can do it. You have those qualities that you feel you just, you know, kind of, you know, can see to come together and, and track, you know, in those times. And that's uh, amazing. So yeah. You keep it going, you know, that we got it. <clears throat> Especially with our, uh, you know, I look at our youth and I, I'm really passionate about, you know, with, with children because they are our future. And I feel like we have to, like, work hard, you know, we need to, to, to give them a fighting chance. We have to give them something to work with and prepare them for what's to, to come or so they can be the great, greatest, you know what I mean, what they can be. Yeah. They can work together and not separate what has, you know, the cycle. So, you know, the cycle. But the toughest thing for them to, for us to get into their heads is how powerful they are. Mm -hmm. When you think about, we survived the Middle Passage. We survived slavery. We survived Jim Crow. We survived uh, alienation, discrimination, lynchings. I found out um, well, recently, because I thought people were being hanged in the South as the uh, uh, Confederate soldiers came back home, but I, I found out recently that a lot of um, folks that were hung initially, remember, in the South, we did everything. We were the blacksmith. Um, we did the building the houses. We did everything. And so when we were liberated with the Emancipation Proclamation, 
we turned that into businesses. And what happened was white guys would come in, lynch the owner and take over the business. And I, you know, I thought <clears throat> you hear about Rosewood and uh, Tulsa, the Black Wall Street, um, where people were hung because they disrespected a white woman or something like that. And really found out that a lot of uh, people were killed. A lot of black men were killed uh, over this jealousy and envy that we had these skills. Even uh, Johnny Walker, um, the Scotch whiskey, um, that was really created by a slave that worked for a white boy um, and uh, was translated, transmitted. Um, once slavery was over with, he went to work on, but things like that that we created. Mm -hmm. um, but we're supposed to be so lazy. I mean, we built the country on our backs, but we're supposed to be lazy. Right, right. Not right. want to work. Exactly. Amazing. Amazing. But like I said, our kids need to understand that we can do anything we set our mind to. Yeah. We just have to pay the price. Yeah. I found this book a while back. It's called... Uh, uh, what was it? Invent black uh, Negro inventor, uh, something of uh, that matter. I forgot where I got it. I, where I seen it, it, I felt like I, I touched gold. You know what I mean? It was just amazing to see and to find out. All, it was a really thick book to find out all the things that actually that black people had and had inventor had yeah. done, and that none of yeah. us, none of us, me, I would have known none of us because now with other men, unless that book was presented to them, because they're not going to present it to us themselves, you know what I mean? You just yeah. gotta have the, the desire of what to know more about, you know, about where you come from and our people. But when I read it, I was just like, wow. One would probably think, oh, of course, it's perfectly white who made that. If, if you were to even wonder that, you wouldn't have known that. Geniuses. You know, yes. Things that we use right now, a lot of it is done, made by black. Hey, traffic lights, the lawnmower. <clears throat> the city of, of Washington was laid out by a black man. Um, uh, it just, it goes on and on and on, but uh, to hear other folks tell it, um, we couldn't we couldn't fly, yet we had to Tuskegee Airmen. And it wasn't until um, Eleanor Roosevelt went and flew with one of them and went back and told Franklin, get him in the war. Uh, these folks, and they flew, they flew protector missions. They made a movie out of it, The Red Tails. Never lost a bomber um, on a mission uh, throughout the Second World War. I mean, but you wouldn't know it uh, unless you stumbled across it accidentally or um, uh, got lucky. You wouldn't know. So we can do anything. We're all the same. I got a brain. You got a brain. Hey, <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, hey. <laughs> I got hands. I got hands. <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's like all mental. You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. how we change our thinking. You know? so, most definitely. Well, I, I, this was such a pleasure, but I, I didn't know. I thought about, I, I think it was today. I was talking to a friend. I don't know if I was going to bring it up or not. That's crazy. I'm just like out there because of my thoughts. But, 
I, in my head, I thought about Hitler for some reason today. I was, I was going through my uh, questions and stuff, and I said, I wonder. I said, you know, we learn things, and, and you know how we go about, you know, forming our, our opinions or thoughts of things because it's something that we learn. Right. He learned his, because he just really messed up stuff. Then I started thinking, like, why didn't he really hate? You know, because it's just really, really, really messed, messed up things. And the more, like, I had read about him, like, because he had cancer. And mm-hmm. I think the doctor that he was trying to get to uh, to cure the cancer juice. Mm-hmm. And I remember him telling people, don't touch him. Because <laughs> I need him. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I need him to help me. So he was good enough to do that. But I just was wondering, like, in a, in a funny type of way, like, how would this affect, like, Hitler? Would he, like, would this even matter? Like, would he, I mean, because he's a human being, too. <laughs> he was a human being, too. You know, that did some horrific things, but um, there's many people that have. But that's in my head. I was thinking, but his views or thoughts, where all his hate come from, or like, you know, oh no. Some of it is ignorance, and some of it is just stupidity, and some of it is arrogance. I mean, look, if you were a poor white man back in the uh, in the 40s and 50s, the only thing you could say was at least there's some, and we're we're in a meritocracy anyway where everything, everybody supposedly competes equitably for everything. The only thing you could say, well, I'm better than that guy because he's black. Or you could be a bum, come off the street, take a shower, shave, put on a suit, and um, could be taken seriously. Um, And we had, again, we had to fight that tooth and nail every step of the way. Even if we're dressed, somebody would say, oh, look at the monkey dressed up, Um, you know. Uh, but in spite of that, look at how far we've come. We've the first black president followed up by this orange orangutan. Right. But, <laughs> but, and, but the, 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 the contrast is so different. And remember, the, 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 one of the problems that's taking place in America now, more white women are getting edu- uh, uh, college degrees than white men, construction, is uh, manufacturing is is being modified a lot of it is being done by machines you're now uh, developing machines that can drive trucks so you're going to have long uh, um, long distance truck driving now is going to be automated and you these guys are saying well where can i go what can i do you got this fool that's come into the white house and said it's not your fault that you didn't study and that you didn't try to, it's those people's fault. Now, and not a one of them would get out in the field and, and, and pick potatoes or deal with crops, but they want to lay it on the uh, uh, Latinos that come into the country uh, that somehow they're stealing and somehow the country is less because they are here. It's th- this anger uh, but a lot of it is based on stupidity. Um, and one of the things I learned early on is the difference between ignorance and stupidity. Ignorance is a lack of knowledge that can be addressed by educating oneself. Stupidity, nothing you can do because, uh, uh, like these folks, alternative facts, never heard of them before this administration. Um, and uh, demonizing science, demonizing facts, um, they're, they're just angry, but we will prevail. 
stuff. And, and then the, the more scared, you know, you know, that's, you know, they, they become. And it's like, I mean, in a perfect world, like I say, we all are the same. And we can all live amongst each other and we can all be great and do this. <laughs> well, it's the smart person that prepares for where they're going. It's the not so smart person that prepares to live where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I like that. And and the the the, the problem are, are those folks that are continuing to live in the past. Um, and uh, you, you got to decide which bucket you're going to get in. And uh, based on that, it will determine how you live and whether you're prepared to fly among the stars or end up back in a cave with a club no, trying to find dinner. Yeah, yeah, most likely you're back in a cave with a club because if you're gonna stay where you are, there's no growth, hey. you know, so you're not gonna really... <laughs> there you go. You know, so yeah. <laughs> I like that, good stuff right there. I like taking notes. <laughs> oh, feel free to take it and claim it as your own. We're all no. family. We're all, we're all family. Been a really have really uh, it's been a pleasure. I have learned so much. Uh, I know I have you know what I mean have picked learned you know what I mean talking to you has made me look at things a certain way. I've, I've learned, mm-hmm. I've gained. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. And so I know for me that I've done that for. Then I know there's plethora of others that they're listening that you have done that for, and I appreciate. That's you. the beauty of community. Oh my goodness, childhood games. I think everybody played uh tag and hide and go seek. That was my that was my game right there. Yeah, 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 for sure. Hands down. I know everybody played that game, but definitely definitely yeah. <laughs> I'm like running through my head right now, like what else do we play? But hands down I would say hide and go seek. Oh and freeze tag. Yep, yep, man. <laughs> Those are the days. Those was the days. A Voice to be Reckoned With wants to give a special thanks to Kevin Douglas Wright for sharing your, your movie with us, your documentary, I Learned It From You. And thank you, Stephen. And thank you, cast. You guys are amazing. And you're welcome back here anytime. And everybody, please, please go to Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime, then you definitely have it must see this documentary and don't forget do not forget i have a special gift for someone so just keep listening and we'll talk about that a little bit more thanks for tuning in to a voice to be reckoned with your host brandy joy peace